Welcome to the Faith Community Church Podcast, a ministry of Faith Community Church in South Boston, Virginia. This week, we have a special guest with us to encourage you to deepen your faith in Jesus Christ. It's good to be with you again. Great to make the wonderful drive over here this morning. Um, right on cue, about 45 minutes in, the road just disappeared under construction. That's, that's how it usually is on the way here. So. Caught me by surprise, as, as it always does, but I'm, I guess I'm getting kind of used to it. But anyway, it's good, it's good to be with you here today. Um, I'd like to talk about the theme of rest today. Uh, and I'm only half talking about the form of physical rest. Um, maybe most of you thought of that as soon as I brought up the word. I know I, know I certainly do. When I think of the word rest, I think of physical rest. I think about how a lot of days I am much in need of physical rest. Maybe some of you can agree with me. Uh, not about me. I hope I don't look that bad. I mean you. Maybe you can agree that you yourselves need some physical rest in your life. There are other forms of rest, and one of those is spiritual rest. The world doesn't understand spiritual rest. We have to excuse the world on a lot of different things. They're operating without the realm of Christ. They, they are operating outside of the leading of the Holy Spirit, uh, but they don't understand the concept of spiritual rest. And then maybe if you're like me, you say a statement like that and you also wonder, I wonder how many believers don't understand spiritual rest. I wonder how many professing Christians don't understand what it means to rest in Christ, to enter Christ's rest, to enter the rest of our Lord. We could go on a rabbit trail and say, maybe that's why we don't have physical rest. Maybe we don't even understand the fundamental nature of what it means to be at rest. You see all these different terms of rest that I'm using? There's many, right? We're going to look at one today in the book of Hebrews. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3. We are going to be looking at uh, the entirety of the chapter um, just for the sake of the nature of the book. Um, One thing I found, whatever preaching from Hebrews or studying it, it's very hard to study Hebrews in a way that you only read a few verses and maybe meditate on those and then do a few more. Hebrews is in its structure different from the other books. As you're turning there, um, maybe uh, we can learn about this a little bit more together. Hebrews is believed by most to be a sermon, in fact, a written sermon um, uh, in that day, going back to the original languages, a sermon manuscript. There are um, many different ways to preach a sermon. I'm sure you guys know that as you've seen different pastors, preachers come in and come out. Um, I, I've known people to preach entirely, not off the cuff, but from through memory. They memorize throughout the week the structure of the text and the points, and they don't use a sheet or any note cards. They just go off of it. I know some people that use certain hand cues and they have their mannerisms and they preach a certain way. I even knew a couple of guys who I call super, super old school, all right? These guys were ex-military, 70 plus years old, and they had the sermon written out like a term paper and they would sit there and grip the pulpit and they would thunder from the pulpit and give an amazing message. There are many ways to preach a sermon. 
I'd like us to think about that concept because it is believed by many that the entire book of Hebrews is a single sermon manuscript. We don't know who wrote the book. There's many theories out there. Uh, some say Paul wrote it as the majority of the New Testament. Um, and given that if it is a sermon, it could be different from Paul's other writings because Paul was writing passionate letters to churches as opposed to a sermon that might be more well-defined. So there's a little bit of difference there. Some people, including myself, believe it was actually written by a close uh, confidant of Paul's, Barnabas. It seems to, in theme and in writing from extra-biblical resources, seem to mimic what Barnabas and how he would say and how he would proclaim the word. But regardless of who the author is, the book of Hebrews is, is definitely different. Right? Have you ever read through this book? It's, some days, it's a beating. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, have we read Hebrews 7 through, 7 through 10? It's amazing. Like, you just get so bogged down in all the things that are going on. And the Hebrews 11 comes and absolutely slaps at you upside the head with a two-by-four as you go through the hall of faith and just the unbelievable proclamations of the Word of God throughout this entire book. I highly recommend that you all dig into this text. But today we're going to be in Hebrews 3, talking about a couple of concepts as best as we can, fishing them out of this sermon manuscript as we uh, prayerfully um, can delve into the concept of rest. And I can think of no better way to do that than to go before the Lord in prayer. So would you join me? Lord Jesus, we are a humble people before you today. Father, as I stand before you, I know that um, thinking first off physically, I am very much convicted of not having enough rest. I think other people could agree with me. Life gets busy. Life gets challenging. There's, a, there's many plates to spin. In addition, we live in this microwave society where everything has to be done quicker, faster, more efficient and quicker and, more, and more, more fast and efficient. And the list goes on and on. We just keep repeating until we go into this endless merry-go-round that is faster and faster and faster and seemingly no way off. Father, you've called us to something different from that as believers. You've called us to a life of rest. You've called us to a life of rest in many forms, one of them being spiritual rest. I pray that we can look at what spiritual rest is today. I pray that we can introduce the topic so that those of us who at the end of the day say, wow, not only am I struggling with this type of rest, I don't even know if I adequately know what it is. Then, Father, we can continue to grow in that area, and today can be a day of newness for these individuals. Lord, I put myself at the top of this list. Lord, I, I, I am... Mm, prayerfully a humble man, but even more so a humbled man, Lord. And I thank you for humbling me in your grace and mercy. I think humility is the true first key to rest, Lord. We ask boldly in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of the Holy Spirit, that, Lord, you give us rest today in your name. We pray that we would worship you in spirit and in truth as we worship through song, let us continue in worship throughout the rest of the service, the day, in our lives. Lord, bless this, this text, Lord. We're not here to hear from a man. We're here to hear from you, our God and King, Lord. Guide us throughout our lives, Father. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Again, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. We'll be reading through the chapter, so if you follow along with me. The author writes, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. I'll pause right there for a moment. You might be thinking, okay, we just talked about rest. Am I listening to the same preacher here? We haven't even brought up rest yet. We're going to get there. It's necessary for this little prologue. We're going to come back to these verses. It's actually very essential, and at least for me, it was quite mind-blowing. So keep those verses in mind as we enter the rest of the chapter here, beginning in verse 7. Therefore, verse 7, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God but extort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, as it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Verse 16, for who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Watch this. Was it not all of those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Watch this. Was it not those who sinned whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. May God richly bless the reading and hearing of his word today. Now, let's, let's get into this. We'll start with verse 7. Like I said, we'll come back to that earlier part. So, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, and then it goes into a text from Psalms. So, just that quick reminder that the Holy Spirit is also <laughs> the word of God, okay? though There's the written word of God right? There is the Bible. We hopefully have one. Physical, written word of God. Why is it the word of God, though? Because of the Holy Spirit, the inspiration, the essence, the helper, who is, in its own way and manner of speaking, the word of God. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, I love that, right? It says this is a psalm. A psalmist wrote it. Love how we're giving credit to the Holy Spirit here, because that is very just and due. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. This is from Psalm 95. 
So a couple things to know that should tell us a couple things if we're doing a little quick biblical introspection here. If it is written in the Psalms, you can bet $100 that this is being recited. This is being sung by who? By the people of the nations? No, the people of Israel, the chosen people, right? The, the, if you want to call it the Old Testament, the bride of Christ, if you will, right? You can see the, the, uh, the, the symbol here before the new covenant. Israel was reciting, maybe even singing. I don't have off the top of my head to know if it was a sung psalm or not. But this was being reminded to the people. This message is important. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Well, what in the world are they talking about? That sounds like something from urban myth, right? Like or one of like some, some historical legend, right? Back in the days of the rebellion or something, right? That is, this is, it sounds cool and mythical, but it was real. He's referring to not just simply an instance in the Old Testament with the Israelites. I can think of many. He's referring corporately to their entire rebellion. Now, this, this deserves some real delving into here. What does this mean? These were the people, we have to keep in mind, these were the people that, quote-unquote, walked with God, right? I mean, we can think of many things. They were led by a cloud by day, right? They were physically led by a pillar of fire by night. Can you imagine the other nations at night? I see this fire just moving across the sky. I'm like, I don't know what the heck is going on. We're staying inside tonight. I don't know what is going on out here. I don't know who those people are. Stay away from them. Give them whatever they want. If they approach, give it. There is something going on that is more powerful than us. Can you imagine what people thought when they saw and they said, praise to the God of the Israelites. Now, Thankfully, that's the Lord, right? That's all his doing. What was actually going on with these people that were so-called the chosen ones? There's rebellion, right? There was arguing. There was friction among the people. They're over here complaining about Moses' wife because of her ethnicity. They're complaining because there's no food and they're just going to die. Never mind the fact that they just walked through an ocean right? God gives them food, and they literally, literally disobey what he says to do with the commandments on multiple occasions. There's the worshiping of idols, right? The very God that they saw almost consume Moses on Mount Sinai, they forget him three days later, and they're worshiping some baby cow made of gold, calling it their God who brought them up out of the land of Egypt. Clearly, they didn't forget everything, they just forgot who their savior was. And these are the people that are supposed to be not only walking with God, but showing the example of God. These are the people who rebelled. This is generations later who are reciting the psalm, and they are basically telling their children and their children's children, hey, do not do what they did where your fathers, verse 9, put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Guys, there's no alternate meaning to that word. They saw the works of God for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they go astray in their heart always. They have not known my ways as I swore in my wrath 
they shall not enter my rest. Why are they not entering God's rest? The author goes into more detail. In my opinion, just with the nature of a sermon, you know how, you know us preachers, we just repeat everything, right? We just say it like three or four or five times, and 15 minutes later, we'll say it again. You're like, I know, I wrote it down again. But we, we, just, we just repeat, right? And he said, because he keeps repeating himself. He says it again all the way through verse 19. And uh, the first time I read it, I thought, didn't he already say that? Yes, he did already say that. So he's doing what preachers do here, right? He's proclaiming and he's making sure the point of emphasis gets across. Why do these people not enter the rest of the Lord? Before we have to we, we examine what the rest of the Lord is here, we, we see why they didn't enter. And that's because of unbelief. It's not specifically because of one instance. It's because overarching, there was sin in the camp. <laughs> there was sin in the house of the Lord. Not sin as in one sin. There was sin. There was indwelling, living in, grouping with, if you will. Um, they, be, they call it being in bed with sin. They're saying you are literally just living with sin. That is your life. And you're proclaiming the name of the Lord verbally. And by at least your, on the surface, your actions. Guys, this is in no way restricted to the Israelites alone. I've had to correct myself numerous times in my life where I'm reading an illustration from the Israelites and I have the reaction maybe most of us have where I'm something like, oh, these people, what is wrong with them? Like, seriously right now? Like, Lord, you could have put me in there. I got this, right? What, what are these people doing? What in the world? But then I do the same exact thing. I did it on the way over here. I, I did it on the way over here. We were driving here, right? Going 55, probably over. And I got road rage. I, I admit it. My, my wife left with our newborn son. She probably left because she knew I was going to bring this up. But uh, we were driving, and we always find that one car, always right in front of us. It's always going 35 and a 55. It's always a Toyota Matrix. I don't even know why it's a Toyota Matrix. I was in the Matrix at this point. Like, I was like, what? I'm living an alternate life. What is going on, you know? And uh, you, you think they're going to go off because they, they have their blinker turned on and then they just don't turn it off. And you're like, what in the world is going on? And you about lose your testimony because you're just out of nowhere, right? You turn to a different person. You're driving and you're just like, You know, and then you go to church 10 minutes later, right? I literally thought of that this morning in this moment, and I'm thinking, I am no better. I'm no better at all. Maybe, maybe I'm not worshiping a golden calf physically, per se, right? But what else am I doing? How, what, what am I proclaiming with my life? Today, if you hear his voice... Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. That is powerful. Think about that. Do you ever remember this being, being when you were a kid? Your mom or dad said something, and you instantly just turned the off button, right? You're only like eight, but you just, you harden your heart. You heard, you heard, you heard, it's usually, when you're younger, it's normally your mom, and maybe it could be your dad too, but something about a chore maybe. Caleb, I'm just like, off switch, right? I don't want, I don't want mom, I don't want to hear it, right? I don't want to do it, I don't want to do my chores, right? I harden my heart, right? 
Today, if you hear his voice, I like the play on words of if, by the way, like, ouch, <laughs> if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the generation that the Lord said they will never enter my rest. I'm no better. We're no better. We, 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 we come into the house of the Lord publicly, but we don't worship in the house of the Lord privately. Too busy. We'll make sure to open the Bible for a couple minutes if we get a chance, maybe later. I'm too busy to help the guy on the street. Needs a tire changed. I'm too busy when I see someone who needs money. I'm too busy, and if I may say so myself, I'm doing a great job of being busy. I, I, I'm too busy to pray. God understands I'm doing good stuff. I'm providing for a family. Is it any wonder that I don't have physical rest? I, I honestly think if you don't have spiritual rest, you're not going to find physical rest. I really don't. I think the verse is true as well. I think they're different stages. We can't treat them as the fullness of rest. Like, oh, I, I'm, I'm, I got eight hours of sleep. I'm great spiritually. Like, we may have better mood, but that, that, that's not what we're going for here at all. But as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil what? Unbelieving heart. Hardening your heart. Guys, this is why America is full of churches on Sunday morning, Saturday night, Wednesday morning, and is starving for revival. Someone's got to say it. I may as well say it. We have people in the church. I am not saying it's you. I don't know you. I've been here twice. But I am saying that there are people all over the world in the church who are not going to heaven as of this day. They have not entered the rest of our Lord. That is the saddest thing I have ever said preaching in my life and will be the saddest thing because it can't get worse. In fact, it's the only sin that Jesus says is unpardonable, right? You remember he's performing healing acts. Wonderful example of ministry, by the way. We forget his example there was never a moment when he was too busy. Jesus, the poor man, had people crawling all over him. And he is still having more than enough time for the individual. And the Pharisees, they're, they're, they're talking. They're, they're, they're chitter-chattering, right? I always thought the Pharisees were like a bunch of chipmunks. They just kept chitter-chattering. They just had this little stuff on the side. They were never saying anything meaningful. They were just like off to the side saying stuff and trying to say he's blaspheming. And all these things didn't even make any sense. And Jesus said, there's only one sin that is blasphemy, that can never be forgiven. That's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That means never accepting Jesus as Lord, never accepting the Holy Spirit in your life. The Pharisees said, you can't forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus is like, exactly. Exactly. Folks, an evil, unbelieving heart is as simple as this. Not recognizing, acknowledging, or living that Jesus 
is Lord and Messiah and that he has changed your life and can continually change your life. And I promise you this, you will never find rest. Look at the world. Look at the world we live in. People are dying for rest. People are aching for it, even on the surface level. Like, well, this is just one example. The amount of athletes that are complaining about not enough rest blows my mind within the last year. They've reached their breaking point, right? The amount of business executives who are searching for something to get rid of the pain in their lives. And they, according to the world, have it all. Right? Let's take a step further. The amount of families in shambles with parents that are tired, that are oh so tired, and the kids that feel oh so not heard, maybe they don't feel like, like they have parents half the time because everything is just being done and they're put into all these programs and there's just no family time. The amount of marriages that feel like, man, we're living together and we have a ring on our finger, but man, I feel like she's in Alaska and I'm in, I'm in Florida, Key West. The amount of churches with wonderful programs, wonderful worship team, wonderful get-together services every week, every week. And it's, it's happening. People like you guys, ever all over the world, are making it happen. But people are tired. They're not feeling new. They're feeling old. They're feeling tired. All over our world, people are in need of true rest that sleep will not cure, that money will not cure, prestige and power will certainly not cure. Oh my goodness. That only Jesus can cure that spiritual rest. It's a beautiful thing to be in spiritual rest. It is amazing to see somebody in spiritual rest. It's kind of an out-of-body experience this day and age. i got to be honest with you. When I've seen it, you almost just do a double look, and you're like, there it is. Right? Imagine what the world does. I've seen people like this. I long to be like people like this, right? It's a wonderful way to literally lead someone to Christ conversationally. You have this peace about you, right? You have, forget any giftings, forget anything you do. You have this, to the world, it seems like an aura, a persona about you, right? There's just something different about you. You are fully enwrapped in the goodness of our God. And in Jesus Christ. Now let's go back to those earlier verses. Something that's a very good practical point is that the author of Hebrews actually has to tell who he's preaching to that Jesus is greater than Moses. Now you and me, you and me are probably like, <laughs> like I don't think we've ever thought that Moses is greater than Jesus because we have the new covenant. We're on the other side of the curtain, the coin, right? Not these people. No, no, no. These people, Moses and the law of Moses was everything. It's, it's like me. I, I had some guy try to tell me the other day that, and I don't know why I was in this conversation, but someone told me that LeBron is way better than Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, hands down. And I'm like, excuse me, I'm taking my shirt off. These are fighting words. <laughs> don't say that to me, right? You know? <laughs> 
I, th this guy was much younger than me, and, he, and, and, and I had to cut him slack because you know, he hasn't seen Michael Jordan play. I saw Michael Jordan play when he was so old his feet were falling off, and this dude was still amazing. I, yeah, I can't have that correct. To me, it, it's a no-brainer, but for somebody who doesn't understand... There's, there, it's like, oh, like, I don't understand what that means, right? I don't, I don't even know what this is. I don't know why, why would Moses, what's he greater than Jesus for in your life, right? These people, Moses and the Mosaic Law were everything. And at this time, even after Jesus was on the earth, the battle was still between Christianity and Judaism. Maybe we know what Judaism is. I'll give a quick synopsis of it. Judaism is basically what I, I like to call Jesus plus theology, at least how it was being taught then, where it is Jesus is a good guy. He's good, but you need more. Okay? He's not enough. you got to have these works. There was that little subtle combining going on. And there was, I felt like ad nauseum throughout the New Testament, all of these, uh, all the disciples, all the apostles, there was a battle with that. And among this was clearly the author of Hebrews. And he's basically saying, look, you have the roles wrong here. You are approaching the wrong guy with preeminence. No wonder you're not getting your rest. You don't even have the, if I can use the word hierarchy, you don't have the hierarchy right. You're not even acting like Jesus is, is greater. You're saying Moses is greater than Jesus. That, that, that's step one you're going off the cliff right here. Moses is, is a man saved by God called by God, used by God. I mean, come on, right? This man was used by the Lord. But as it says here, Moses was faithful in all God's house. But for Jesus, also can be translated, but Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. Wonderful illustration. Probably one of the more applicable ones in the Bible to our culture. You go buy a house, right? I drove here an hour today. I saw the most amazing new houses. They're building all the way up. You go through Lynchburg, leaving where I live in Lynchburg. You go through Evington. Beautiful properties. They're, they're, what they're doing is they're, they're taking apart these farmer's fields. The farmer just sold the field. I kind of just went, went under, I guess. I don't know the whole story. But they're building beautiful properties, right? They're spread out. They got space. You're not too close to your neighbor because who wants that? You got, right, you got a nice yard. You got, there's plenty of good stuff about these properties. Nobody's going to go up to the house and go, wow, you are amazing. How did you get here? I think you are the best house in the world. I think I'm going to buy you. I'm going to keep you because you did this. Nobody does that. What do they go? They go, man, if someone has the money and the wherewithal, and in this day and age, the guts to do this and build their own house, they'll say, I want to find the builder of this house. What company is this? What organization is this? I want to see this. Nobody counts the house as more honor than the person who built it. Wonderful, wonderful illustration. Now let's follow up with this because we could. this is a very uh, concept to get caught up in their area and not bring it over to our context here. Okay, so I, Jesus is greater than Moses. Awesome. How many of us are not living like Jesus is preeminent in our lives. That's the key. It may not be Moses, put something else, right? There's many things. And I'm talking like, you, got, you can think outside the box. I've had the most mind-blowing things happen to me in the last month as far as being convicted about these things. <laughs> Schedule, 
I'm a very scheduled person. Am I putting schedule before the Lord? Last time I checked, God doesn't operate on an eight to five EST workday, right? American culture, whatever. How about this? Family. Family is beautiful and a gift of God. It is not God in your life, right? How about this? Now, this is not for everybody, but I'm just giving you my example here. Preaching. Do you know how easy it is to be a preacher and not a pastor? Mind-blowingly easy. All you got to do is finesse it, right? You can, you can rely on your own strength. Just do it. I have to be in prayer daily before the Lord that what he's speaking through me is for his glory and not my own. That's why every time I pray, I say, we're not here to hear from me. Absolutely not. You don't want to hear from me. You want to hear from the Lord, right? Is preaching an idol in my life? It's a, you could fill the list. I don't care. It could be good things. Sports, music, food, right? Oh, my goodness. The list goes on and on. There's a reason. <laughs> there's a reason that we're not getting rest. There's a reason there's unbelief. We have allowed things to creep in. I love how, I'm not going to go there, but I encourage you to look at the letter to, of Jude. Near the end, best 24 verses you read in your life. This thing is power-packed. It's like you open it, it just punches you. It's, it's unbelievable. And it says in verse 3, certain people have crept in unnoticed. Awesome. Now take that and apply it to life in general. Certain things have crept in unnoticed, right? Good things. I'm working to provide for my family. I'm going to go sit down, watch a sports game, have some wings, kick back, right? I'm going to go delve into my hobby, great hobby, whatever it is. I don't care what it is. That's whatever your hobby is. Little things and complacency enters the door, enters through, right? And now it's like, well, instead of I am desiring the Lord, it's like, well, I, I'll get to God later. And then is it any wonder we spiral out of control? It might be different for certain people. Maybe we start with no physical rest. Maybe you're like me and you're crazy <laughs> and you don't sleep enough. And just, I mean, there's other things right now, but maybe you're not. Maybe you're doing great in the physical uh, rest realm. It's the other rest that you can't get. There's no mental break for you. You feel bogged down at work. You're not, you're not getting time with the Lord. There's no spiritual rest. You feel like a wasteland. You feel like a desert, right? Just like, a, just like a desert. You know, daytime, it's 120 plus degrees. At night, it's like negative 40 or whatever it is, right? It feel, your life feels like that. Entering the rest of God requires the opposite of an evil, unbelieving heart. There's no good heart on this earth because without our Lord. So it's a changed, saved, obedient heart. Take care, brothers. Now, there is a remedy. And it involves each of you. It involves each of us. Verse 13, I love this verse. A very happy verse in the middle of all this. But exhort one another every day. Exhort and encourage. That's why I love, if you read different versions of the Bible, get some nice language difference in there. You can see some of the differences in the, in the words. Encourage, exhort, pray for one another every day, as long as it is called today. 
This is one of the parts I love about Hebrews, little things like that. As long as it is called today, you realize there's never a today if it's not today. Mind blown, right? There's never a day that is not today, as long as it's called today. That none of you may be, watch this, hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. The deceitfulness of sin. It promises things it doesn't fulfill. It promises happiness. It promises prestige. promises power, wealth. Um, it promises rest. It promises Maybe I said peace already. Maybe I didn't. Sorry. But it promises peace to all, and it delivers on none of it. None of it. How many of you all told a lie before in your life? Those of you that didn't raise your hand, you just lied. Anyway. Um, those of you who have told a lie, you can work with me on this, you told a lie for maybe many reasons, but the overarching reason was something in the broad realm of it will make things easier, it will make things okay or better. Some form of that. We tracking so far, right? Did the lie work? Nope. Never. Mine, mine never worked. Never have, never will. That's one example. It promises something that doesn't deliver. Now, when that comes to the rest of Christ, it promises rest. It does not deliver on it. There is only one who can give us rest. And that's why we have to enter into his presence, right? Enter into his courts with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. We're doing the entering right. We're there. We're, I, I think we're thankful. Oftentimes, we're, we're giving thanks to us and blessing our name, right? We seem thankful, but then sometimes even our posture of worship is incorrect, right? We sometimes approach it as if, Lord, look at me, I'm worshiping you, instead of, Lord, am I worthy to be worshiping you and breathing in your presence? And he responds, through the blood of my son, absolutely yes. You see, the posture of worship can even reference rest. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Confidence in what? Like there's many, there's many things I can be confident at that I'm not good at, right? Like there's many things that I can be good at that I'm not confident at. Confidence in something that will never be moved. Something that is an anchor, like a, like a ship or a boat that is anchored in turbulent waters. Our anchor is Jesus Christ, a no-brainer of an answer, right? We, we, we know this, but we have to apply it to our lives. We have come to share in Christ. Share in Christ, what does that mean? Entering his rest, if we hold our confidence firm till the end. So watch this now. We need Christ's rest. We don't have Christ's rest. We can share in Christ, entering into his rest, eternally, I might add. How? <laughs> Through the strength of Christ. How amazing is our gospel of Jesus Christ? That we can operate because of him, we have to move towards him, but then he moves us towards him. How amazing is that? Doesn't mean we're not trying. It doesn't mean we're not seeking to stay in him. It means that as we submit fully to him, as he takes over all of our lives, as we grow in him, 
we become a more full version of the person that we are meant to be in him more than we could ever be on our own. It's like insert your own name 2.0, right? Literally, it's a better version because it's Jesus Christ who's ruling your life. And because of that, you will have rest. Prayerfully, physically, although some days will be less restful. Mentally, absolutely. Although what that definitely requires um, you know, some effort on, on, on our parts to say no to things and to let certain things go. There's, there's practical social situations, but certainly that as well. Overarchingly spiritual rest. This is where we need to get to as believers, where we are going through the elementary aspects of the Christian faith, but, what, but often what we'll do is we'll stay there. We, don't, we need to go deeper, because if we're going deeper, then we're entering into his, his rest. Then we are becoming changed. Then we are becoming more like him. And as we grow in him, watch this. Now we apply it to our social situations. Now we apply it with growth and seeking to uh, learn differences between uh, social situations. And we can now even lead others in those very situations. But it won't happen apart from a believing and changed heart. This is in no way to throw, throw anything upon the, the theme of, oh, we, we want to make sure we're saving people. We absolutely want to be sure that we are reaching out in evangelism. I think a lot of churches in our country they, they focus so much on that, they forget about the growth part for those that are in the church. And did you all know that we are supposed to be here to be changed each time that we come in here? That we're supposed to be convicted? It doesn't mean that you feel convicted that, oh, I don't know Christ. Maybe that is. You know this in your heart. But there's many of us here today that need, oh, I need that refresher. I need to be, I turn my, my, my switch back on. I need to literally be focusing on the rest of Christ and to renew my heart before him. That's not a bad thing, right? Rest is powerful. With it come all the qualities of the fruit of the Spirit that are just wonderful to talk about and make us convicted of how we don't have patience and all these other wonderful, amazing things, right? <laughs> but I, that was a joke, by the way, because obviously I'm, okay, good. Making sure, y'all look at me like I'm serious. I'm like, talking about patience is not always wonderful. I'm just going to say that right now. But as we grow in these things, we are, the point, we are made new. And being made new is a beautiful thing that is a shame that few Christians are experiencing. So I'm asking you not, not, not to be overly, uh, overly Baptist in my answer, and because there's, there's always those quick questions at the end where they say something like, are you being made new? Are you? Uh, but I mean it, though. Are we being made new in Christ? Are we entering his rest? This is for you and the Lord. Introspection. Take all day if you want to. Think about it, right? Are we prayerfully not, but or are we, as he says in his wrath, they shall not enter my rest? Parting thought here. What if he's not just being wrathful here when he says, it's not to my rest? What if he is, in a way, being prophetic and practical? 
the Lord as he says, they're not turning to me. They're not going to enter my rest. It's not just angry. They shall never enter my rest. But also, this person's not turning towards me. Right? They, they can't enter my rest. The problem is, we have believers everywhere living like, like, like we can't. We don't have to change. And, we, and we, we can just do whatever we want. And we, we're, in, we're in the rest. We're in God's rest. We're entering his rest just because we, we showed up to church. You cannot enter the rest of our Lord Jesus Christ, his providence, unless you are spending time in his presence. It's impossible. I've been awakened to that. I pray you, you could be awakened to that. And through that, we can truly, as Revelation says, become more than conquerors through him who loved us. Are we being made new? Are we entering God's rest? Let's pray. Father, I, I, even selfishly speaking, I just love this text. Um, thank you for, for the word that you brought today through, through the book of Hebrews. Thank you for whoever the author is, convicting through the Holy Spirit this man to write and, for all intents and purposes, seemingly preach this message to people that needed it. And Lord, today we're a people that need it. The world's coming at us with all these fast and, not to use the movie too much, but fast and furious principles. We are, we are having to go faster and faster and do more and more, and we are overwhelmed, Lord, and we need you and your peace. Father, may we exhort and encourage every, uh, one another every day. May we, may we pray for those, uh, as, we did, as we talked about earlier with the prayer list here. May we pray for those in our church who, who are hurting. May we ask ourselves, Lord, what is it that I can do more of? Lord, how can I go deeper? As we continue to worship you through song, Lord, may we honor you with, with our, our singing. But more importantly, if we need to not sing and pray instead, may we do so with you. May we individually seek, Lord, how am I entering your rest? We bless the rest of this time, Father, in your name. We thank you so much for bringing us together today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about Faith Community Church, you can find us online at fccsobo.org or on our Facebook page by searching Faith Community Church. As always, God loves you, we love you, and we hope you have a wonderful week.